Hi there. Welcome to the End Times Guy podcast. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you joining me. Thursday morning, I'm heading back down into the States with a load of lumber. Boy, oh boy, in uh, Vanderhoof, British Columbia, up north there, they make the world's best two by fours and two by three wall studs. Man, and they crank them out. It's just crazy. I, I love these loads. I put 24 lifts of lumber on my deck. They have that load on in 10 minutes, literally. And I, I'm out there uh, throwing the straps over the load just as fast as they put the lumber on. Yesterday, I pulled in, did the uh, load, strapped it down, got my paperwork, and left in 24 minutes. That never happens anywhere else. Everywhere else I go, oh, I'm there for an hour at least, sometimes up to three hours. So it's a treat to go there. I'm really happy to be doing this load today. And it looks like I'm going to be home noonish tomorrow for the weekend. So that's a bonus. I have so much to do at home. I'm looking forward to uh, getting this week done and getting home and getting all that stuff done. Well, as much as I can anyways, because I'll tell you what, after working um, five 14-hour days and then a shorter day, maybe an eight-hour day, I I can't avoid a nap in there. It's got to happen, but <laughs> we'll get as much done as we can. So I'm going to continue on with the false teachings that are going, they're prevalent. They're burning through the church. They're destroying and tearing down the word of God that is supposed to be written on our hearts, supposed to be the number one guidepost for all the church. I don't care what the flavor is, what the brand is. It's all supposed to be submitted to the word of God, but more and more it is not. Um, the Mennonites, the United Church and others are, are a prime example of that. Uh, even the, the Pope has taken out his big, big pen and rewritten scripture. The man is absolutely insane. The Bible is very clear that anyone who changes even the least little jot or tittle in this word, all the plagues of the whole book will be heaped upon them. The Pope has asked for, invited a terrible, terrible judgment from the hand of God upon his own head. I did a podcast on that before. He didn't like the Lord's Prayer and thought he could do it better. Um, you know, lead us not into temptation was wrong. Jesus got it wrong, but the Pope will fix it. Pope to the rescue. He gets his white out. He whites out that spot and then writes in, allow us not to be led or something along that line saying that God can't lead us. It, the Bible was wrong in that place. Isn't the Pope wise? Well, where did the Holy Spirit lead Jesus after he was baptized in the Jordan? If you know, in my Bible, it says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Jesus warned Peter, Satan is going to sift you like wheat. Satan is coming to test you, Peter. And Jesus didn't say, don't worry, we'll protect you. No, it was part of the plan. We all have a period of testing. We all have to endure that. But the Pope knows better. He, he's smarter than Jesus. He's smarter than God. He fixed it. He fixed it all. That man is completely insane. Don't mess with the word of God. The wise man kneels before it, submits to it, and obeys it. That's all there is to it. But today's false teaching isn't one that's being taught, but one that's not being taught. There is a tremendous silence 
in the church concerning demons and Satan and hell. No one's talking about it. We're just all kind of ignoring it. It's that big, dark, beady-eyed elephant in the room. But you know what? Satan is at work today. Satan is a very, very busy man. He's an entrepreneur. He's been been in, in the business now for some 6,500 years. He's very good at what he does. You know, demons aren't wasting their time causing people to stagger and stumble and foam at the mouth and throw themselves into the water and run around graveyards naked. They're, they're so much more advanced than that now. They are working with rulers, with um, people of renown, people of wealth, people of power and politics. They are behind the scenes working these people like marionettes, bringing about the, the final kingdom upon the face of the earth. And I did a podcast earlier this week. Man, I see the beast emerging now from the waters. And this is the work of Satan and the demons. They are the ones bringing this all about. Look look at the land that we live in. Look at the abortion clinics, which are literally high places. You see, in the old days, they would take an infant and place it in the arms of Molech, which would be molten metal glowing red hot. The infant would be seared and burned alive. And that was a sacrifice to Molech. In the the Mayan empire, they were bringing their infants up to the mountaintops, up to the tops of the temples and cutting them open or throwing them into pits. Um, Children have been sacrificed to Satan in various guises, various, I guess, disguises if you will, for millennia. And today it's no different. It's business as usual. The temples look a little different. They're called abortion clinics, but it's the exact same thing. And he's receiving the blood of the innocent as an offering. And they are working to distort times and places and laws as we read in Daniel And it's all conspiring to bring about the one world kingdom, the final kingdom that will defy the living God. And, you know, at a time when Satan is so profoundly busy, the church seems to be consumed with narcissism, wrapped up in itself, worried about itself, um, concerned only with how to make itself more prosperous. And I'll tell you what, getting fat in a time of destruction. It it is scary to see what is happening around us. And the the pulpits have gone silent concerning Satan and the demons. And I wonder at that. I wonder, you know, some, I believe it was 75% of professing Christians today don't believe in a literal devil. They believe it's a figurative, it's placed in the Bible as a uh, symbol of evil, things of that nature. Distorted to the point where they don't even believe in a real, literal Satan. And I can't imagine Satan would want it any other way. It seems to me it's by design. Satan wins when we don't talk about him. We're the only ones that have any authority over him. We're the only ones who can truly cause him trouble. And because the church ignores Satan, we have allowed his high places to be set up in the land. 
We have allowed blood sacrifice to take place in our own towns. And Satan is flourishing. Uh, we're losing the young people. You know, it's terrible that we're ignoring the enemy who's literally devouring us right now. But another doctrine that is not taught nor talked about anymore is the doctrine of hell. And in that silence, people are permitted to formulate their own understanding. And let's be blunt. Who wants to think of hell as an eternal place of torment? I have at times tried to rationalize that hell is a lake of fire, and it is in the Bible called a second death. And for a time, I allowed myself to believe that the uh, goats, the rejected, the sinners were thrown into the lake of fire, and that was a second death. They were burned up to nothing, and that was the end of them, that they didn't suffer eternally. But then I thought, you know, what does the word of God teach, though? Never mind what I want it to be. Never mind what, you know, and if I took the idea that hell burned the, the sinner and they were no more, if I took that idea and looked for scriptures to support that idea, I could do that. I could find those verses and I could use the Bible the same way Satan does for his own pers personal interests. But God, Jesus never handled the word like that. He showed us that we pick up the word to glorify God. We submit to the word and we allow the word to show us the truth. And as children of God, that is our primary focus, the truth. What is the truth? And the Bible, unfortunately, is abundantly clear. It, there is no mincing it. There's no mixing it up. There's no distorting it. Hell is a lake of fire. And it's eternal. And those who are thrown into it burn forever and ever. As terrible as that sounds, as much as we don't want to think about it, that's what the word of God teaches. And I think people have a right to know that. That the lake of fire, and you know what the most terrible part of this is? Is that it's an outer darkness. You can't see a thing. And it doesn't make a lot of sense that an outer darkness could be a lake of fire. Wouldn't a lake of fire light everything up? Wouldn't the flames um, provide plenty of illumination so that they could see? Well, that's not how sulfur burns. Sulfur is blazing underneath, but the surface is black and liquid. The lake of fire is in darkness there is no light because the surface is a black um, molten darkness and just below the surface is a roiling inferno and my goodness oh it makes the heart sick and who wants to talk about it i don't want to talk about it i want the lake of fire to go away i don't want to think about it but how fair is that? You know, how fair is that to the people who are going there? The legions of people who profess Jesus Christ but do not know him. The legions of people who think church is, is some crutch for people who can't get through life on their own. They're, they're mentally weak. Um, for people who were raised like I was in the public school system 
to believe that life evolved over millions of years. Such a horrific fable, so ridiculous. You know, every mutation I've ever seen has been hideous, absolutely hideous. And the product of numerous mutations should be something out of a horror novel. And yet we're surrounded with creation that is just breathtaking, intricate, stunning, and beautiful, and majestic in its intricacy. This is not the product of mutation. It's the product of very, very high design. And we all know that and clearly understand that as we read in Romans 1, you know, there's enough evidence. It's called evidence in the word of God. Look around, open your eyes. See that this was made by the hand of God. Man is without excuse. And in Romans, we read that in legal terms. That when God judges, it will be literally a legal settlement. And the evidence is plain before us. The man who was in Lazarus' bosom in Hades said, let me go to my brothers and warn them that they don't come to this terrible place of torment. And Jesus said, no, they have the law and the prophets. Even if someone would rise from the dead, they would still not listen. And you and I have the law and the prophets. We have the evidence before our very eyes in creation. Man is without excuse. And you know, one thing I see over and over again is godless people already have a justification formulated. I could never serve a God who would allow children to get cancer. I could never serve a God who would allow starvation. Uh, You know, all of these things, they have made a moral judgment against God. And you know what's going to happen on the day of judgment is they're going to realize just how convoluted and stupid that is. In that instant, their eyes will be opened and they will see. Can you imagine brandishing a sword and, and thinking how you're going to defy the armies of the living God because they are immoral? And then the day comes and you realize your sword was made of paper and it burns to ash in your hands. And you realize in that instant what a stupid fool you have been your whole life, what a lie you lived. I don't want anyone to come to their senses on that day and realize they were going to attack God with a paper sword and then be thrown into the lake of fire. A judgment that God will place upon them in righteousness. It will be just, it will be good that God throws their everlasting soul into the lake of fire. It's the place where they belong. I don't want anyone to go there. And if we're silent about hell, if we don't stand at the gates and warn people, then what chance do they have? What hope do they have of escaping the everlasting fire? Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the preacher. He did a sermon on hell. And he really hammered home two different points. One is that Satan is a Judas goat. Now in Israel, they had a Judas goat. When it was time to herd up the goats to slaughter, they had one goat called a Judas goat. It wasn't slaughtered. It was kept. Because it would go out into the herd and gather all the goats and say, come follow me. And it would lead all of the other goats into the slaughterhouse. And then the Judas goat would go back out to the yard and round up another herd of goats. And it would tell those, that herd of goats, it's all safe, guys. 
let's go this way. And they'd follow the Judas goat into the slaughterhouse and the Judas goat would go back out for another. <laughs> he was a goat and he was telling them to follow him and they followed him right to their death. Satan is a Judas goat. He gathers people around him. He leads them right to their death. The other point he really hammered home is the eternity, the eternal nature of hell. That a person who was in there, if it was just for one second, you know, it would be more than they could bear screaming in torment, submerged in a lake of fire, pushed down by the flailings of the people around them, submerged in roiling lava. If it was just for five minutes, it would be an eternity to them. Five minutes would just be an absolutely horrific eternity. But if it was just five minutes, maybe through all of their agony and torment, they could hold on for just five minutes. But if it was 15 minutes or an hour, an hour of being boiled alive in liquid fire and tormented and filled with the, the emptiness of separation from God, torment inside and outside, if it was just for an hour, that hour would stretch on and on and on and it would feel like months and years to that person. But it's not an hour. It is eternal. It is forever. There is no second chance for anyone who goes there. Can I ask you something? Why is the church not talking about this? This is horrible, horrible stuff. And the world has the right to know this. Why is the church in the last days silent about this? We need to speak up and speak clearly. It is in the word of God. Hell is an eternal torment for those who reject the living God. And we have a duty to warn them. You know what? I don't enjoy making podcasts like this at all. I'd rather not talk about it. But the Lord has given me the freedom. I don't do these podcasts to be popular, obviously. I don't do them to make money. I do them to glorify God and to make the saints ready to meet him. That's what matters here. And that's why I say it. Thank you for joining me. God bless you.